When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's watch this together. Uh, I don't know exactly what this is about, but I think I have an idea and I think it might be interesting for us to watch. So this is Mary Spender, who, if you're not familiar, is a very talented uh, musician she and YouTuber. But I would say out of all the YouTube musicians, I think she is the best vocalist just a really incredibly pleasant voice um like genuinely talented vocalist seems like also a very nice person mary you are definitely invited to the barbecue i feel like you would be a great guest in fact if anything i might feel bad because i feel like if you had mary over for the barbecue she would like bring so much stuff that you would kind of feel bad she'd bring some great sides exactly she'd bring like some like delicious like homemade potato salad or something and you'd be like oh geez now i feel bad because we just got like hot dogs from costco and you know mary brought this like incredible homemade potato salad and now i feel guilty but in all seriousness she seems like a very nice person super talented and i want to watch this because this is a video is called i'm too old for this s-h-i-t I think she's like in her 30s. Sort of the topic is about, you know, finding success when you are older than what the textbook says you should be to be successful at this thing, which, you know, has been the case for me. I've always felt like I was a little bit behind in life. So let's check this out. And also, I'd like to thank Factor for sponsoring this video. If you're busy with holiday plans, but you still want to eat well, and you should, then check out Factor. They make nutritious, chef-prepared meals that are delivered straight to your door and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. That means you can skip the trip to the grocery store and all the chopping and the prep and the cleanup and all that while still getting the flavor and nutrition that you need. And if you eat out a lot, it's a great way to save money. It's cheaper than takeout or even worse, getting delivery, which if you ask me is a complete ripoff. And they also have a ton of options. Personally, I like Calorie Smart, which is under 550 calories per serving, but they also have new lunch to go meals that are ready to eat with no microwave required and their fancy new surf and turf options. I love that with Factor, I don't have to think about what to eat for lunch. I just pick something and I know that it's gonna taste good and that I'm also gonna hit my macro goals. So if you wanna check out Factor, and honestly, I think you should, head to factor75.com or click the link below and use the code FIN50 to get 50% off your first Factor box. So there I was, lurking in the comments section when I came across this gem. At 33 years, if it hasn't happened, it never will. 33 Sorry. years old, okay. Time to move on and accept the next chapter. Go on. I'll take the bait on this one because I think it's an important topic. Yeah, I would like to hear this too. So this person said, if you're 33 years old and it hasn't happened by now, it never will. In regard to music. To be honest, 
Generally speaking, I think that's true. Obviously, it's not always true, but I think it mostly is. I think it's true for a lot of things in life, but it's not always true. And the question is, which I want to hear her answer to this, is like, well, what are you supposed to do? You know, if you're 33 years old and you haven't achieved this thing that you want to achieve, what are you supposed to do? Just quit? Give up? Like, go, you know, work at McDonald's? What are you supposed to do? We'll see. I'm curious to see what she has to say. How do we define making it as a musician in 2024 in this new music industry? What exactly is it? The traditional yeah. description might be a Grammy or a stadium tour or a platinum record, i.e. one million albums or singles sold. If those are our criteria, then vanishingly few have truly made it. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a good point. So what she's saying is, you know, largely the definition of any of these things of making it uh, depends on what your definition of making it is. Um, and uh, with regard to music in particular, yes, if you're 33 years old and you haven't gotten your platinum album or something like that, if you've been making music for 10 years, you're probably not going to get your platinum album. But you, do you need a platinum album to be successful? I don't think you do. And I think for most creative people, I don't think they care about getting the platinum album or selling, you know, a million tickets or anything like that. I think that most creative people or people in general just want to make a decent living doing something that they kind of enjoy. That's what I think the definition of success is for most people. Yeah, as long as you can make money doing music and not work a job, I think you've made it no matter what that could be. I agree with that too. My comments here apply way outside of music because not everyone wants to be a musician. But, you know, the idea that you have to be super rich you know, or like you have to be the 10K a day CEO banging tens, you know, every weekend, you know, that that's the standard for success and that anything else than that is, you know, a failure. Basically, that's bullshit. If that's the idea that you have in your head, the first thing you need to do is stop thinking that way. Popular music and youth culture have always gone hand in hand. There are so many examples of bright stars who produce an incredible body of work by the time they reach their mid to late 20s. Yep. The Beatles, Beyonce, Mozart, Tupac, Kate Bush, Taylor Swift. Tupac. I, I mean, isn't it crazy to think about this, that there's so many people like this that produce this incredible, like my wife and I always talk about Avenged Sevenfold. Like Avenged Sevenfold were like 24 when they did City of Evil, which is the album that blew them up and is like just an absolute God tier masterpiece. You know, the rest of us could spend our entire lives trying to make something like City of Evil and we never will. And they were like 24 when they did that. And then of course the Beatles and Beyonce and all this stuff. So like, it's very easy to think that like, oh, if I don't have, you know, a genre defining multi-platinum album by the time I'm 24, like the Beatles did or whatever, then I'm a piece of shit. But that's not reality. You don't have to be the Beatles to be successful and to be happy. But not everyone has the same experience. There are plenty of groundbreaking artists who found success a little later Okay, let's see some examples. Katie Tunstall, one of my biggest influences when I was starting out was 29 before she gained national recognition for her performance of her song, Black Horse and the Cherry. Which, which is still not very old, you know, like 29 is old to be like discovered in the context of popular music, but like 29 is still very, very young. I didn't do shit with my life when I was 29. I mean, I had done some things that I think were sort of cool, but, you know, I wasn't playing in front of national TV audiences or something like that when I was 29, and I don't think I was a loser. Very tree, 
on Later with Jules Holland. Debbie Harry was 31 when Blondie released their first album and then 33 oh, when Parallel Lines came wow. out. Sheryl Crow was also 31 when her debut album was released and 40 huh. when Soak Up the Sun came out. Wow, I did not know she was that old when Soak Up the Sun came out. Shout out to Sheryl Crow. There's someone who is absolutely invited to my barbecue. Alex Capranos from Franz Ferdinand was 32 when their first album was released. Bill Withers was 33 okay. when he released Ain't No Sunshine. He refused to give up his day job even when he'd had a hit and credited his age with helping him navigate the less desirable aspects of the music industry. Leonard Cohen, widely regarded as one of the greatest singer-songwriters of all time, also released his album Songs of Leonard Cohen at the age of 33. Yeah, this is what I was going to say. I think because the current generation or era is more youth-obsessed than ever, people feel like age matters a lot more. So a lot of the examples that she cited here were from like the 60s and 70s when, you know, there was TV, but your appearance mattered less back then because it was more about the music and less about your appearance and your lifestyle and stuff back then, right? So would Leonard Cohen, if he came out now at the age of 33 or whatever it was, would Leonard Cohen make it now? I don't think that he would. And I'm not saying that to disagree with her larger point here, but it was different back then. Appearance matters more now than ever, which is kind of unfortunate for people who weren't born good looking, but it is what it is. Craig Finn was 35 when The Hold Steady released their breakthrough album, Boys and Girls in America. Chris Stapleton was 37 when his debut, Traveler, came out. I also think appearance matters a lot less in country, which is good. And Charles Bradley, who spent decades working as a James Brown impersonator, was 63 when his debut was released. Wow. There's plenty more where they came from. The strange fact is that we've always placed such a high value on youth in music, particularly in pop, but don't think twice about a novelist publishing their first book in their 30s or 40s, or a painter having their first exhibition in their... Well, yeah, the reason why is because music is one of these things that trends in music are driven by teenagers and people in their you know, early 20s, but really by teenagers. And the appeal of music is largely driven by how much we identify with the performer, right? So what 14 or 16 year old is gonna identify with a 33 year old getting up there on stage and singing something to them? They, they probably won't. I'm sure there's a few exceptions, but um, there's not too many of them. And again, in the current age where appearance matters more than ever, I think that's especially true. I think that's a difference between music and painting. Like teenagers don't care about painting. Teenagers, I mean, I guess they read books, but you know, teenagers I think are not really the ones driving the trends in literature. So I think that's kind of the difference there. 50s or 60s and so on. Remember that these are crafts too that you get better at with time. I may now be beyond the tweeny bopper threshold, but I'm also a much better guitarist, singer and songwriter than when I was 21. I also have yep. far more life experience. I've studied my craft more and I'm more emotionally mature. Well, my exes might disagree on that one, but I know what I want and what my priorities are. I mean, that's definitely true that as you get older, you obviously lose your youthful appearance, you know, and you, you lose the energy and whatnot that you have when you're a kid, but you gain life experience. And again, this is, I'm talking outside of music because I think music really is kind of a young person's game, I think. But everything else in life, you know, I talk to people who they're like 26 years old and they think their life is over because they haven't achieved something. Guess what? When you're 26, you're not supposed to have achieved shit, you know, like it's easy to think that because Mark Zuckerberg was 26 or whatever, you know, when 
he was on TV talking about Facebook, that that's like the norm. Or, you know, you see some 24 year old driving like an M5. No, 25 year olds are not supposed to have M5s. There's a reason why there's sort of the stereotype of like all the fancy cars being driven by these like rich boomers was well, because most people can't afford the nice car until they're like 50, right? You're not supposed to be successful in your 20s. Yeah, most people who live in the huge houses in your neighborhood are old people. You're not supposed to be balling in your 20s. Like if it happens, that's cool, good for you, but we should just completely remove the expectation of ourselves that we're supposed to be like, you know, crushing life in our 20s. Because very, very, very few people do. I am better equipped to deal with what life will throw at me rather than going down a dark path, yep. as so many young musicians do. I have a close circle of friends and family who still tell me how it is rather than a circle of yes men telling me how wonderful I am, although sometimes I wish that was the case. And I've said before that fame is not normal. It can place a no, lot sure of stresses isn't. on young minds. I think this is a huge part of why so many celebrities that get famous young end up becoming such a fucking train wreck because how in the world could anybody handle that level of attention when they're like 19 years old? You know, when I was 19, I could barely fucking do the dishes once a week. <laughs> you know, when I was 19 in our apartment, we had dishes in the sink that were like literally like covered in mold because I only did them like once every two weeks or something like that. So the idea that a 19 year old could handle the kind of fame that some of these people get is crazy. So in a lot of ways, you know, you should maybe be thankful that you didn't get it. And I know it's I know it's tempting to to think that like you'd be the one that would handle it well, but would you really? How many people that come into a lot of money when they're, you know, teenagers because they're athletes or, you know, their parents are rich or something like that? People that come into a lot of money when they're young, they fuck it up, right? Because you don't you didn't work for it, you don't appreciate it, you don't know what to do with it. So my point here is I, I totally agree with her with this idea of talent maturing. And as you get older, you have just basically more life skills in general. But I almost think that you should be thankful that you didn't become successful in your 20s because you'd probably fuck it up if you did. Part of why pop stars were traditionally signed up young. You're grateful. You're more beholden to authority. And you're probably going to put up with a lot more than any sane, well-adjusted adult would. Yep. Because... You're the product to them, nothing more. In my mid-twenties, I almost signed an exploitative 360 deal with a management company. A 360 deal is where a label or management company provides some money upfront, often a very small amount, and marketing support in exchange for a percentage of all your future earnings from every stream of income. So not I mean, how many people end up in a bad spot because they signed a shitty deal when they were like 18? Like, for example, you may have heard about Krayshawn. This happened to her. I mean, I don't think she was 18, but she's pretty young. Krayshawn was like 20 or something and she signed her deal. So she got like a million dollar advance. She hasn't seen a dime from any of her music, you know, for whatever it was, 12 years ago or something like that. She has not recouped. She owes Sony like $800,000 because she signed a shitty deal. And I'm not like... You know, I'm not trying to like rub her nose in that or something like that. But my point here is that going into this when you're like, you know, 21 or something like that, you don't understand how business works. You don't understand contracts. Like, again, it might be a good thing if you're not successful at a young age because you would probably fuck it up. Not just your music, but your merch, your likeness, touring money, and even supplementary activities like YouTube videos. 
do not sign one of these deals. You will regret it. I even knew it was a bad deal, but I almost signed it anyway because I felt- Exactly. She said, I knew it was a bad deal, but I almost signed it anyway, because at that age, you're so like hungry for just any sort of thing that people will give you. You know, you'll take any job, you'll sign any deal. You're like, yeah, this is probably a bad idea. I'm probably going to get fucked by this, but I'm going to do it anyway, because at least it's something. You know, it's so easy. I would have done it too. If somebody offered me that shit when I was like, you know, 20 years old, I would have absolutely done it too. Cause I didn't know any better. Now being, uh, unfortunately a little bit older than 20, I understand the value of saying no to something. If it's not right, I understand patience. I understand that it's better to wait for the right thing to come along than to just jump on the first thing that they offer you. Felt like the clock was ticking on whether I would ever succeed as a musician. I am just so grateful that I didn't. Also, that management company, they went bust. And of go. course, let's be real, part of me would love to play a sold out stadium or travel on an amazing luxury tour bus or fly by private jet to Malibu to record with Rick Rubin than shoot a music video with a million pound budget. I yeah, but what is all of that stuff worth? So she said, I would love to go on tour and go to Malibu and record with Rick Rubin. Yeah, that stuff would all be cool. But at the end of the day, if you don't make any money from it, what's the point? You know, if you realize that you just worked for two years or three years, you know, busted your ass in the studio and on tour and all you did was make a bunch of other people rich, then what's the fucking point? You know, you're like, wow, I busted my ass for three years and all I did was make my manager rich. And the same thing is true for like normal jobs too, by the way. And so... There's a very interesting point here, I think, which is lots of times the thing that you think you want ends up not actually being as great as you think it's going to be. I'll give you an example. For me, um, I got a job when I was 25 or 26. I got a job working for this uh, skateboard magazine. I made videos for like, it's called Flow Multizine. And I made videos the, like about skateboarding and music and stuff like that. And it was cool. Like, you know, I did a video about Bam Margera for Element. We did a bunch of like surf stuff for like Quicksilver, did like an under oath video, stuff like that. So I got to work on really cool stuff and I was like, wow, this is all I ever wanted. I get to make videos about music and surfing and shit like that. It's really cool. But then I realized after maybe, you know, doing that for like six or nine months or something like that, I was working, just working myself to the fucking bone. Like I was working till like 5 a.m. every morning and then getting up to go to school at nine in the morning. I'm just like, what am I doing? And I made like $12,000 a year from it, which I mean, $12,000, like that's a decent amount of money, but 12 grand a year to like work myself half to death. I was like, this sucks. I do not like this. This is terrible. And so I quit. And Yes, welcome everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little, a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. 
And my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers, think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. I've had a lot of other experiences like that too. So my point here is not to say that like actually the thing that you want sucks. My point is that as Smash Mouth said, all that glitters is not gold. I bet that's pretty cool. But I also know that I value my privacy. I like my anonymity. I like to go to the gym or a restaurant without screaming crowds running after me. I like my private life to be private. Many successful musicians become reclusive, locked away yep. in their mansions until it's time to hit the road again. I mean, I get recognized a fair amount and I'm just a fucking YouTuber. I can't imagine what it's like to be actually famous and not be able to go, go to the grocery store. It sounds miserable. It affects their material because your frame of reference narrows. Yeah. Your work often suffers and you cease to be relatable. I also think that once you've passed a certain threshold of material comfort, it's diminishing returns. Or yep. so I've heard. <laughs> totally true. Totally true. I'm not rich by any means, but I have more money than I ever thought I would. And I totally agree with this. Like once you get past a certain point, making more money does not make you any happier. And I know that people hate hearing that because um, I hated hearing that when I was younger too. And people are like, oh, money doesn't make you happy. I'm like, oh, well, fuck you. Easy for you to say. Well, listen, you don't know how true that is until you make a little bit of money. And it's true. Getting attention and getting money and stuff like that, it's all cool, but it does not make you happy. It gets you through the day. That's it. Plenty of millionaires feel unhappy and disillusioned with their life. Tons that gold-plated steak just doesn't bring them the same joy it used to. That's right. I've been living and working full-time my creativity for almost five years now, and I still feel like I'm just getting started, that I'm getting better and have more to give. I have my freedom. Money makes things easier, not happier. That's exactly right. I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. Having money definitely makes life better, but it's not like, you know, you snap your fingers and if you have this much money in the bank, suddenly you're going to be happy. It's not true. Certainly not true for social media either. Like it's easy to look at someone else and be like, oh man, if only I had that many followers, I would be happy wrong none of these things is going to make you happy followers and money and attention and all this shit it doesn't make you happy it's nice don't get me wrong it is nice but it's not going to make you happy yes happiness comes from within that's a fact this is the message to take away from this video it's like if you feel like you're behind and you feel like you're not going to make it or like that you failed because you're this age and you haven't achieved this thing you've got to stop thinking that way because happiness does truly come from within you've got to just be happy with where you're at or at least learn to put it this way keep striving for more but understand that there's never going to be this moment 
where once you achieve this thing, you're going to be happy. That is never going to happen. Talk to anybody who has achieved anything. It doesn't happen. Like you think, oh, I'm going to make it to the top of the mountain and then I can relax and everything's going to be great. No, you're going to get to the top of the mountain and then you're going to look and you're going to see the next mountain. That's what's going to happen. So you need to learn how to just like be content with yourself and who you are. I'll be pretty happy when I have my own home. You won't. You'll be, here's what'll happen is you're going to be stoked for like a week and then it's just going to be the house that you live in and it's not going to feel special anymore. I guarantee you that's what's going to happen. And look, if you, if you are able to buy a house, that's awesome. And I'm happy for you, but it is not going to make you happy to own a house. It will help, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's fun until you need to spend $10,000 to fix the roof and you could spend a lot more than 10 grand to fix a roof. So, you know. It is better than renting. I agree. Yes, for sure. Buy a house. I'm not telling you not to buy a house. My point is that if you think that attaining any piece of property or validation from another person is going to make you happy, it won't. Even when you achieve your wildest dreams, you realize a whole set of other problems and goals that came with it. This is from Morgoth Beats in the chat. Listen, he has a fucking platinum album, okay? Like, that's a thing that a lot of people you know, feel like they would work their whole lives to achieve. He's got it. Michael, did that, did that platinum album like make you happy overnight? Like it was cool, but did that make you feel like all of a sudden your problems went away? No, it didn't. You were stoked, but then it's back to, back to reality, back to your life. And if it all ends tomorrow, I can say what a ride it's been. And because I've built up a wider set of skills than just a musician, I can move into other areas. I know I'll be okay, whatever the next part of my life is. And enjoying the journey is as important as the destination. Yep. Yeah, it just made me realize the exact opposite. You still have to live with yourself. Exactly. That's what it is. You got to live with yourself at the end of the day. Nation to wherever or whatever making it is. So here's another thing. If you can build a body of work, then you can leave it behind for others to enjoy at a later date. You never know when someone might discover a song decades after it came out and for it to be meaningful to them. Pat Benatar released a song in 1983 called Love is a Battlefield, and I hadn't even heard of her until 2022, but I discovered that song exactly when I needed it. You might pick up an old paper bag that's been out for decades and strongly identify with its characters or themes, or look at a painting by a long- Yeah, and this is another thing is like, she makes a good point here is you don't have to reach a huge number of people to make an impact. Think about it this way. How many like random MySpace bands do you remember from like 15 years ago that really mean a lot to you and you love their songs, you love their music. And if you think about it, those bands were actually probably tiny and they never amounted to shit, right? These bands were probably actually, you know, they probably think of themselves as failures, but they still connected with you and thousands of other people, right? So, you know, do you need a platinum album? If, you, if your goal is just to make art or make something that other people in the world, you know, connect with, you don't actually need to reach that many people in order to make an impact on the world. It's interesting. You could be a band with like a thousand monthly listeners on Spotify, and you might be somebody's favorite band and a song that you wrote might really actually mean a lot to them. So again, the message here is like, don't get lost in the numbers and don't think that it's like either you're the Beatles or you're a failure. I think that's the thing that a lot of people get trapped in. Like I certainly do. It's like, oh yeah, I got 2 million views on YouTube this month, but you know, Mr. Beast got 200 million. Well, all right. So I'm not Mr. Beast, but I still think that what I'm doing is cool and I appreciate it. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to be the number one in the world 
to be successful or to be happy. Dead artist and be profoundly moved. Most artists don't get to experience the full effects of what they leave behind. You might move yep. millions of people with your work or just a handful. And I've talked before about Kevin Kelly's rule of 1,000 true fans. All you need is 1,000 people to buy your it's album true. or travel to a show and buy a t-shirt. And you've got yourself a really great living. If you Yeah, so this is Kevin Kelly, the founder of Wired Magazine, has this model called 1,000 true fans, which basically says if you can find 1,000 people who will give you $100 a year for whatever, then you have an income of $100,000 a year, which I think everybody would agree if you can make 100 grand a year off your art, like you'd be happy with that, right? And it is surprisingly attainable. If you can be content to make a living, not a fortune from your art, then you've made it. So yep. don't let anyone tell you that there's a time limit to creativity or that success has to be counted in the millions rather than the thousands or hundreds. Yeah, I think that's the message here is, like she said, success doesn't have to be counted in the millions. Number one, I'm not the biggest YouTuber by any means, but you know, I've still reached a lot of people and I'm grateful for what I do and for what I have. You don't have to be number one in the world to, you know, be successful or to be happy. And if you are successful, that doesn't make you happy. Being successful is not actually the goal, right? Like think about this. How many musicians sold millions of albums and were miserable? How many people in Hollywood were in a, you know, number one box office smash and are miserable, unhappy people with like failed relationships and a drug habit and all this stuff. So that's number two is that success and happiness are not the same thing. And number three, in regard to, you know, being too old, it's very easy to think that, you know, because you haven't done this thing by some specific age, that you're a failure. But remember, especially if you're in your 20s, you're not actually supposed to be like crushing life in your 20s. Like your 20s are supposed to be hard and kind of suck. And it's only until you're in your 30s where you're like, okay, I think I'm kind of starting to figure this shit out. So the point is, if you are beating yourself up over any of these things that she talked about in this video, you just gotta like take a deep breath, stop comparing yourself to others, stop comparing yourself to this invisible script in your head about what you think you're supposed to have achieved because that is just, that's imaginary. Just take a step back, try to be grateful for what you have, definitely strive for more. But remember, there's no moment in which once you achieve the following thing, all of a sudden, you know, you're going to be incredibly happy because it's not going to, that's just not how life works. So nice work for Mary. Uh, make sure to subscribe to her if you haven't. Uh, give this video a watch and uh, yeah, good stuff. Mary brought this like incredible homemade potato salad and now I feel guilty. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Yeah! Down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza.
So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.